0: You're listening to Cortez Community Radio, CKTZ 89.5 FM. I'm Dee Clark, and this is Cortez Currents, which you can also access in text form at cortezcurrents.ca. The Government of Canada and the B.C. government, state publicly that they are committed to carbon reduction and proactive responses to climate change. Yet both Canada and B.C. remain consistently among the world's top carbon emitters per capita. In 2019, Canada was actually the world's highest carbon emitter per capita. On the one hand, our government proposes initiatives that would improve energy efficiency and reduce emissions in sectors like transport or construction. But, on the other hand, they continue to subsidize existing and new fossil fuel projects, such as LNG Canada, the coastal gas pipeline, and they continue to expand fracking. Canada's Liberal government spent $4.5 billion to purchase the Trans Mountain Pipeline in 2018, only to announce in spring 2022 that no further funding would be allocated to the project because cost overruns were nearing 70%. But wasting money might be the least of our problems. These fossil fuel projects have huge carbon impacts. I recently interviewed Jens Wieting of Sierra Club BC, and this is what he had to say about BC's fossil fuel projects.
1: We're talking about millions of tons of emissions from methane leakage, from processing gas for transportation. And then we also have to consider that the emissions will be even higher if we consider that burning all that gas, all those fossil fuels in other countries, will cause even more emissions. So this is, this is a really sobering, depressing stuff.
0: Continuing to subsidize the fossil fuel sector, says Jens, guarantees that neither Canada nor B.C. will meet any of its carbon reduction targets. Some fossil extraction projects are now operating at a loss, which makes this not only an environmental, but also a financial failure. And if we include the potential liability for environmental damage, the net loss becomes enormous, and the taxpayer is likely to be left with the bill because no fossil extraction company has ever posted a bond or cleaning deposit that would actually cover the damage done. It appears that the Canadian government is throwing good money after bad, Investing in a losing proposition in every sense. And meanwhile, Canadians are feeling the impact of intensifying climate change, including residents of B.C. Aside from the personal distress and loss resulting from ever more frequent fires, floods, landslides, smoke palls, collapsing permafrost, climate-related damage is now worrying even the economists. They now think it may cost the Canadian economy some $25 billion a year by 2025. And actually, it gets worse. Not only is BC aggressively extracting and selling fossil fuels and thus increasing the world's carbon burden, it has also spent the last few decades decimating some of the best carbon sponge on the planet. Intact old growth forest, particularly coastal temperate rainforest. A resource surely now far more precious for its carbon absorbing and climate stabilizing capacity than for its fiber content. Until the early 2000s, B.C.'s forest lands were a net carbon sink. They still absorbed more carbon annually than the amounts being released by logging activity. But as both logging and climate change inflicted increasing damage on the forest, forestry management, as a sector, has now become a net carbon emitter. In climate terms, B.C.'s forests were once an asset and they have become a liability. In a year with major wildfires, B.C.'s forests might contribute over 200 million tons of CO2 to the province's total emissions. Well, just for comparison, total emissions from all non-forestry sources, such as transport, industry, housing, and so on, hover around 60 to 70 million tons a year. But even in a year without major wildfires, our normal methods of forest management today amount to a net carbon emission of over 40 million tons of CO2 and almost all of it related to logging activity. For its own reasons, the BC government does not include these numbers in its annual greenhouse gas inventory.
1: Yes, there is some information in the, in the BC government data about greenhouse gas emissions. Unfortunately, it's very superficial, and the emissions related to forest management are not counted which is absurd because they're so high, and by not counting them, they are largely ignored.
0: Though logging companies do replant most of their clear cuts, the tree farm plantations they create are no substitute for the original forest. Not biologically, and not when it comes to climate stabilization and carbon absorption.
1: It takes way over 10 years after a clear cut to allow the smaller trees, the planted trees or the regrowing young trees, before they even get to the point where they can absorb more carbon compared to the ongoing loss from a clear cut. If you imagine a clear cut with the massive amounts of wood waste left behind, the exposed soils, the carbon emissions continue year after year after year. It takes a very long time before such a damaged, degraded landscape begins to absorb a little bit more carbon compared to the ongoing loss. In many cases, more than 13 years, more than 20 years, or even 30 years.
0: So logging-related CO2 emissions include not only the fossil fuels burned to access, cut and transport trees, make roads, etc., but also the carbon emitted for years to come by logging debris left to rot, by slash piles, By exposed and disturbed soil but the heaviest cost is the destruction of carbon absorbing mature forest which raises the concentration of co2 in the atmosphere canada's and bc's twin policies of subsidizing fossil extraction and permitting indiscriminate logging form a positive feedback loop more carbon emitted means more climate change Climate change endangers remaining forests, including by wildfires, which emit even more carbon, and then large-scale logging is removing one of the few breaks we have on carbon absorption and climate change. Policymakers are not unaware that they have a problem. Two years ago, the province of B.C. released the report of its Old Growth Strategic Review Panel. This report made 14 clear and specific recommendations which, if acted on within a three-year period, could begin to mitigate the damage being done to BC's last remaining old-growth forest land and start restoring the forest's capacity to absorb carbon. We're now two-thirds of the way through the timeline laid out in the OGSR report, and the province has achieved none of those 14 goals. Last November, after the release of yet another Expert Review Committee's report, the TAP, or Technical Advisory Panel, The province released maps of about 5 million hectares of endangered old-growth forest and announced that it would defer logging on about half of that area. So, allegedly, 2.5 million hectares were going to be protected. But, to date, the province has only announced about 1 million hectares worth of deferrals for the most at-risk forests. The province has been rather vague about the status of already permitted logging in these deferral areas... Satellite imagery, on-site monitoring, show that logging continues in areas proposed for deferral. So it appears that the province will not actually disallow or defer logging in those areas if permits were already issued. And that of course would make the deferral designation meaningless in those areas. As of 2021, at least half the area that the Horgan government announced it would protect was still open for logging. The province has failed to curb the liquidation of our old-growth forests. And it has failed to provide effective alternatives for First Nations communities who depend upon the revenue from logging.
1: We have to protect and restore old-growth forests, working with Indigenous peoples, making sure that no Indigenous nations is being forced to, to choose between impoverishment of the forests or impoverishment of their people we know the solutions from the great bear rainforest and solutions are underway in clackwood sound this requires funding the federal government has already committed to funding to allow the creation of new indigenous protected areas the bc government has to join the federal government and commit to a goal of protecting 30% of the lands and waters across Canada and across BC. This
0: goal of protecting 30% of land and water area from industrial exploitation by 2030 is one to which over 100 countries are now committed. Canada's federal government has made this commitment, 25% by 2025, 30% by 2030. But it's not clear if the BC government has any serious intention to honor that commitment.
1: And yeah, it's, it's uh, absolutely shocking that we continue with these practices when we have so much overwhelming evidence.
0: In part two of this story, we will consider a particularly egregious case of greenwashing, regulatory capture and net negative exploitation of B.C.'s forests, selling off our trees to the international market for wood pellets. As usual, if you'd like more details, if you'd like to dive into the background information on this story, the written version on CortezCurrents.ca is full of links and references. Just a reminder, the views and opinions heard on this program are not endorsed by Cortez Community Radio, its board, its staff, its membership, or any granting agency, but are those of the writer, producer, and guests.